0: So get your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 24 and find your way there. And I want you to know something. Not only is it a love story that is a literary masterpiece, but can I tell you something else? This gets really exciting. Not only is it written so well, it's also prophetic. Did you know that? It's prophetic. It's a story about Jesus pursuing you, and uh, quite remarkable to consider. Uh, If you don't know anything that I'm telling you about, sometimes cliff notes help. Do you ever read the cliff notes before you read the book? Uh, Sometimes it helps. I want to give you the cliff notes just real quick. Uh, Abraham is our hero of the story, right? We've been studying for, for months now on this life of Abraham. Well, the life of Abraham is coming to a close. Last week, we saw the death of Sarah, right? His wife passed. And Abraham is now old. Uh, they couldn't conceive. They couldn't have a child. And miraculously, when Abraham was 100 years old, supernatural birth, Isaac is born. And uh, now it is time for uh, Isaac to get married. Isaac is 40 years old, we're going to learn, right? And his father, Abram, sends out this servant to go find a bride for Isaac. And he finds this beautiful woman and they fall in love and they uh, live happily ever after. That's the story in a nutshell. Uh, Now, we'll look at it in detail and we've got a lot of ground to cover. But let me give you a little sliver into the prophecy of it, how it's prophetic. Father Abraham is a picture of God or a type of God in the story. Isaac, this son of supernatural birth, who just came from Mount Moriah and was victorious over death, if you will, that's a picture of who? Jesus. The servant is a picture of this unnamed servant. It's uh, the the head servant in Abraham's company. Uh, Abraham is very wealthy. He's got tons of employees. That servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And He sends them on this journey to uh, find a bride. What's interesting is it happens after Sarah's death. Sarah is a picture of Israel. And after Israel, after Sarah dies, the servant goes and gets a Gentile bride for the son. So, an amazing story that we're going to be looking at. Uh, furthermore, in Genesis 23, we, we saw last week. Sarah was 127 years old when she passed, right? And she had Isaac at 90. So I know it's early. You guys are first service, but you know, we've got an extra hour of sleep, so let's do this. If she died at 127 and she had him when she was 90, how old is Isaac then? 37 when she passes. Uh, that means that Isaac was... Maybe this is probably three or four years. Isaac was about 33 years old when he went to Mount Moriah. Wow. What does that sound like? Jesus. Sounds like Jesus. So here we see some amazing prophecy in all of this. And he goes to Mount Moriah, and God saves him. Uh, you'll remember it was all a, a prophecy. It was all re- revealing what the, the story of, of Jesus, right? And, and uh, Abraham, he goes up to the mountain with faith, and he says... Uh, it, Isaac says, Dad, Father, I see the wood, I see the implements for the offering, but where is the burnt offering? And Abraham speaks prophetically and says, God will provide himself a lamb. And uh, uh, Isaac uh, comes down from the mountain alive. And and, uh, so just this amazing story, and now the story of Isaac, after he comes down from the mountain alive getting a bride, that bride is who? That's you, the church. So this story is about God's redeeming love for you. And the title of the message this morning is A Bride for a King. A Bride for a King. And again, let me hear you, church. Who's that bride? That's you. That's you. So this is a story about your redemption, about uh, God's romance of you. Uh, all prophetically very laid out. Let's pray as we open God's word. Lord, we come before you and we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy, your gifts that you bestow on us every single day. Lord, the vast majority of them, we don't even thank you for, we're not even aware of. But it is by your hand and by your good favor that we move and breathe and have our being. So Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your love for your church, your romantic, pursuing love. Lord, may it touch our hearts today. By your spirit, may you give us the ability to see your heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. All right, we've got some ground to cover. So are you, to, are you ready to study the Bible? We've got some ground to cover. Let's look, Genesis 24. Are you there? Now, Abraham was old. That's probably an understatement. Uh, well advanced in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Uh, Abraham is uh, uh, well advanced in age. Uh, uh, the King James says, well, well stricken in, in years. That just means he's at the, the, you know, the final season of life. He's 140 years old uh, at this time. Uh, so Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, Who ruled over all that he had. You might want to underline that. Who ruled over all he had. Uh, Abram was a very wealthy man. He had literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of employees. Perhaps thousands. And this servant ruled over all that he had. And you know what we're going to find amazing in this story? This servant remains unnamed. His name is never brought up. That's odd when you have your, your CFO or your CEO who's running everything and he's not named. We do know his name from uh, uh, chapter 15. His name is Eleazar. What's fascinating about that is the name Eleazar. L El in Hebrew is God. The name Eleazar is God our helper. Crazy. So this guy's name is literally the same function as the, uh, or the name of the Holy Spirit, if you will, God, our Helper. Uh, so he uh, he rules over all that he has. And look what he says: Please put your hand under my thigh. Uh, that sounds weird. Uh, uh, nothing sexual here. This was like uh, the way of making a an agreement, like signing a contract between close close you know people who loved each other. Um, And here he says, uh, uh, please put your hand under my thigh. And notice, again, he's unnamed. By the way, the Holy Spirit never draws attention to himself, the Bible tells us, right? Uh, John 16, John 14 tells us these things. And and so here, this unnamed servant, he's going to remain unnamed all the way through the story. Verse 3, put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by Jehovah, by Yahweh, the God of heaven, And the God of earth, here Abraham calls God the God of heaven and the God of earth, speaking of his sovereignty. This sovereign God who's over all, uh, swear by him that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son. Uh, we read this and we go, wow, it's, that's hard to grasp the full value. This was a 520 mile journey. Uh, quite a long journey for this servant to go on. Uh, there were no cars, uh, 520 miles. Think how long it would take. That's a 40 day journey. And he says, go and, and, and uh, take a wife for my son. Very difficult assignment, right? Okay, let me get this straight. You want me to go 520 miles to a land I've never been and find a woman and bring her to your son. Uh, That's a tough assignment. How many of you would say that's a tough assignment, right? That's a tough assignment. Uh, Look at verse 5. And the servant said to him, hey, tough assignment. Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? And Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. Abraham did not want his son going back to to Haran, back to uh, the Ur of the Chaldees, back to any of the places of his past. Why? Why? Because he wanted him to stay in the promised land. He believed that God was going to give him the land. Do not take my son out of this promised land. Uh, Look at this. Verse 7, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore to me, to your descendants, I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Wow. What did Abram just do? What did he just say? He said, hey, listen, I want you to know, God is faithful. And he requotes the Abrahamic covenant that was made back uh, in uh, uh, Genesis 12, right? Uh, uh, recants it, recites it and says, hey, listen, the Lord has done all these things for me and he will send his angel before you and he will lead, guide, and direct you in all these things and he will bring all this to pass. Verse eight. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. Here we see there's a free choice in this, right? Uh, you've got mail. Uh there's a free choice in this. Uh, she, he says, hey, listen, if she doesn't want to go, then this, you, you've you fulfilled your end of the deal, uh, he tells Eleazar. And Eleazar is a picture of what? Ah, go and woo this girl. But if she doesn't want to come, you've done your mission. You've done your part. Pay attention if you're not a believer. Pay attention. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and he swore concerning this thing. He makes this, this covenant with him. Uh, <clears throat> Notice, uh, I want you to see something. Notice this man that Abraham is right now. Notice the incredible depth of his faith. Uh, I, I find it just awesome to consider. Abram's 140 years old right now. And we look at how when he started in this whole thing, how he would stumble and bumble in unbelief. And look who he is now. And I just have to marvel, look at the man that God built. Abraham's faith had grown deep. He is a rock. He is a pillar. He is hanging on to God's word. He's saying, listen... This is the covenant God made with me. And even though he owns no land whatsoever, he says, I believe that God is gonna give us this land. And even though I haven't seen it yet, I've seen God be faithful in a myriad of things. Do not take my son back there. Just go and do this. I know the Lord will lead you. I know the angel of the Lord will go before you. I know he will lead, guide, and direct you into all truth. I know that he will be with you. I know that he will bring his will to a completion. And I just want to encourage you, wobbly need Christian, look at what God builds over time. Look at the man that God builds. And by man, I mean human. Look at the man, look at the woman that God builds. Abraham is a pillar and his faith had grown deep. How? Because God had built him. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it all the way up until the day of Christ Jesus. And he will present you to himself as a strong believer, a man, a woman of character and substance if you abide in him. And we see this with Abraham, just amazing. Uh, And even though he owns no land, man, he believes this promised land is going to be his. Notice what he says. Hey, do not take my son back there. Even if she says no, do not keep my son in this land. Why did he say that? Because he believed this land was going to be theirs. And he doesn't own any of it. The only land that he owns after 140 years of age is the grave that he bought for his wife. God has given him no land whatsoever. He's still living in tents. And he stands rock solid in faith. Notice the man that God builds. Don't you want to be that man? Don't you want to be that woman? Oh, I just love it, man. I love that. Uh, And uh, uh, God is doing it in our lives. Uh, How has Abraham's faith become so strong? How did he get here? What happened? I mean, how did he become like this? Well, he's seen God's faithfulness. What? Again and again and again. Leave your family. And he doesn't obey all the way. And yet God is faithful to him and blesses him and blesses him. And there's a famine and he goes into Egypt and he lies. And what does God do? blesses him and blesses him and blesses him. And even in his failures, he's seen God's faithfulness. And even in his uh, steps of faith, when he went out with, with trepidation and said, oh Lord, man, I hope you're with me in this. Think about when he takes 318 of his own soldiers and goes out and fights against the four kings of, uh, that were, had, had gone again and captured Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember all that? Uh, and he And he saw God be faithful. Think about how hard it was for him to wait on God to bring this son. This promised son. And Sarah goes through menopause and they think, oh man, I think we messed up. I think we've lost it. Uh, And he goes into Hagar and has a child through her and God says, no, that's not it. I'm still working in your life. And then Abraham goes impotent and he thinks, Man, can this ever happen? And at a hundred years of age, God resurrects him, if you will, and they have a child. Amazing. And then that child he is told to offer, and he can't figure out. He knows God hates animal sacrifice, excuse me, human sacrifice, and would never. And he sees God's faithfulness, he sees that God. was using him to act out prophecy. And over and over and over, he's seeing God's faithfulness. And this is what it builds. It builds a man who has substance and character and stands unmoved by the things of the world, confident in his God to bring it to pass all that God wants to to do uh, in a world that has fallen and broken and and messed up. Uh, This is who God is building in you church. This is his work. And I tell you, it is attractive to see a person with that kind of character stand. Look what God has built. Just amazing. Um, Now, I want you to know something. When he says, hey, uh, I know God will do this. uh, Where is he placing his faith? He's placing his faith in God's Word. Our faith must rest upon the Word of God. I want you to know Abraham is not just being optimistic, he's not just a positive thinker. He's not just, uh, you know, like uh, reading uh, self help books on positive thinking. His faith is in the true and living God. He knew God and he trusted his Word. He trusts his Word. He knows that God has always kept his promises. Abraham's faith is not in positive thinking or in uh, believing that just all things are good. No, no, no. His faith is in God's word. He tells his servant, God will lead you in this. God will send his angel before you. And he recants the Abrahamic covenant. His faith is not in optimism. His faith is in God's word. And I say that because a lot of people today have faith in faith. Even uh, so-called Christians or prosperity teaching churches and false teachers, they say, well, just believe, just believe. And so they go through life and they're just believing. They're just eternal optimists. They're strong in faith, but their faith is not rooted in God's word. Their faith is in faith, or their faith is in optimism. Well, I just believe everything's going to turn out fine. Well, good for you. Well, I just believe God's going to heal my marriage. Well, good for you. Well, I just believe uh, that you know, God wants us to get this house. Uh, I just believe God's going to heal me of this disease. I just believe I'm going to get this promotion. And they think that's faith. I want you to know that is not faith. Just just believing in optimism is not faith. Faith is holding on to the truths of God's word, knowing them and not letting them go and building your life upon them. That is what Abraham is doing. Our faith must rest upon the word of God. And if your faith rests upon the word of God, you will walk in his ways in marriage and that will heal your marriage. God will move in the hearts of the spouse when you're walking in God's ways. Uh, And so big difference between the two. We need to be careful. Real faith is rooted in God's word. And if it is not rooted in God's word, it is worthless faith. I want you to know, faith that is resting upon the Word of God studies the Word of God. Memorizes the Word of God. Quotes the Word of God. Holds fast to the Word of God. Knows the Word of God. That's what real faith does. And there are a plethora of false teachers out there right now. And they're telling you that the greatness is all yours and your faith is in you, in, in faith. Just believe good things. I tell you that is nonsense. That is nonsense. Uh, Abraham's faith is in God's word. And faith that is not rooted in God's word is r- worthless faith. But know this, faith that rests on God's word moves, mount- <clears throat> moves mountains. It is powerful faith, as we're going to see. Abraham did not want his son uh, marrying one of the Canaanite daughters. The Canaanite daughters did not know the true and living God, and he wants his uh, servant to go back to Haran, and that says something to me. Uh, Haran was a pagan place also. What's the difference? Here's the difference. Abraham had told his family about the one true living God. And he is confident that the things that he had told them back then, many, many years ago, it's been a long, long time, but that, that, uh, that faith, that, that uh, revelation of God that he had been given and told them would be enough, right? And that they would, he would be able to go back and find uh, a, from his family uh, someone who believed. And it shows us that he, even in the Old Testament, uh, just like the New Testament in Corinthians, tells us, do not be unequally yoked. Abraham did not want his son being unequally yoked, right? He says, don't take a, a daughter from the, uh, a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites. I, I want you to go back to my family. Uh, so this unnamed servant, he prepares for a 500 mile journey to get a bride. Uh, think how big this task would be 500 miles to get a bride. Uh, Let's look at how he prepares. Look at verse 10. need my glasses today. Um, Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed. What does that tell you about uh, about Abraham? He is very wealthy. He goes and gets a bride, and he takes 10 U-Hauls to go get her. Uh, Very wealthy man. And look at this, underline these words. For all his master's goods were what? In his hand. He, was, he oversaw everything. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. Verse 11. Uh, this is a travesty here. Between verse 10 and 11, you can write a little note right there. That's about a 40-day journey. 40 days on what? On camels. You ever rode a camel? I have ridden a camel uh, in Israel. And uh, I tell you what, it's a it's a trip. Uh, I can't imagine 40 days on one of those beasts. Uh, you know how wide you have to spread your legs to ride a camel? You're like this, man. And they get up and you're like, whoa. I mean, it's like wild when they get up. And then when they walk, it's, you know, anyway, 40 Verse 11, 40 days later, he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time, the time when the women would go out to draw the water. Remember, no plumbing, right? And every morning and every evening, it was the lady's job. I don't know why. I don't make the rules. It was the lady's job to go to the well and get water. And water's heavy. How much much does water weigh? Eight pounds a gallon, right? Why would they make the women do it, right? But uh, we know this. We have uh, archaeological evidence of it. There's drawings and all kinds of things. How would they carry the water? On their heads. Yeah, they'd put a little pad right there. And and in uh, many third world countries, still to this day, this is happening. Um, And so uh, he's there at evening time, the time when the women would go out to draw water. And he said... Verse 12, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Here we see that this servant of Abraham's, Eleazar, this unnamed servant here, he's a believer. He's praying to Yahweh. Uh, Verse 13, behold, here I stand by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. He's just praying. He's talking to God. Now, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. And I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. We learn something about this servant here. Not only is he a believer, but he's a believer who really knows God. He understands the sovereignty of God. He actually believes that God appoints and directs. And he says, then I will know this is the one that you have appointed as if God is sovereign over all things, and he is. And I love this. This is just a a silent prayer. As he's on his camel, if you will, it'd be like you and I praying where? As we're just driving in the car, right? Uh, Look at verse 15. And it happened. And I love these words. Before he finished speaking. In other words, he was still in dialogue with God, just talking to God. That behold, Rebecca, There she is. First time she's mentioned. Uh, this is going to be the bride. Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abram's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. What are the chances of this? Right? I mean, he... W- pulls up to a well after a 40-day journey, and it just happens to be the well where it's Abraham's brother. Uh, Just amazing. Verse 16. I want you to underline these words. Let's read them out. I want you to read them out loud with me together. Verse 16. Now the young woman was very beautiful to behold. Will you read that one more time? I want to just hear you. wow, uh, she would have to be, right? Or it wouldn't be a good story. Uh, if it came out and said, no, the young woman was butt ugly, but she had a good heart. <laughs> uh, that one, you know. But can I share something with you? There's way more to it than that. I told you this story is what? A love story that is what? Yes, it's romantic, but it's also prophetic. And I want you to know something. This is how God sees you. Wow. The woman was very beautiful to behold. A virgin. No man had known her. Uh, She was virtuous. She was moral. She was principled. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran down to meet her. He gets off his camel and he runs down to meet her. And he says, please, let me drink a little water from your pitcher. So she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let down her pitcher from her head to her hand and gave him a drink. What do we learn about her? Not only is she virtuous and moral and principled, she's also generous and kind. Verse 19, and when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. And what do you think he did? Just mouth probably hit the ground. You've got to be kidding me. Now, a camel is a big animal. Uh, have you ever seen a camel drink? They're phenomenal. I love nature. I think you know that about me. I'm a nature geek. Uh, If you look at a camel, you'll notice they've got that big, long mouth. I mean, snout, right? And I'll go this way so you can see. And their lips are down here, and they're an unusual animal, and that their nose is way up here with their... Like a dog couldn't do this. A dog puts his face in the bowl, and his nose is underwater, right? Not a camel. A camel puts his face underwater, and his lips go in the water, and he can still breathe while his mouth is in the water. Do you know why? Because they drink 30 gallons at one sitting. You got to breathe while you're drinking 30 gallons, (laughs) right? God's masterful design. Uh, They can go weeks without water. Uh, Just amazing design. And uh, she says, I will get water for your camels. Now let's think this through. How many camels are there? 10. You've been following along. Way to go. 10 camels... 30 gallons each. How much water is that? 300 gallons. Eight gallons, eight, eight pounds per gallon. We're talking what? 240. No. 2,400 pounds of water. And she says, I'll do that. What a girl. I'd marry this woman, for crying out loud. <laughs> I did. Her name is Lisa. Uh, <clears throat> Verse 20, then she quickly, I circled circled the word quickly in my Bible. She quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough. I circled the word ran, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew for all, I circled the word word all, quickly ran, drew water for all his camels. What do we learn? Well, not only is she virtuous, not only is she moral, not only is she principled, Not only is she generous, not only is she kind, she's also industrious. She's attentive and she's diligent, amazing. Uh, And the man wondered at her. He remained silent so that to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. He he said, he just watched her and she'd got water for all his camels. He said, Lord, you're just amazing. I love this. Abraham had, Abraham's servant had asked God for guidance in his work. And it reveals something to us, don't we? We see something about the servant. Eliezer had learned about God from his boss. We live in a politically correct world where we think we're not supposed to do that. Nothing could be further from the truth. Do you want to obey government or do you want to obey God? You've got to decide but Abraham, <coughs> Abraham's servant learned about God from his boss. And can I tell you something? He knew God well. He knew God well. We see that he trusts God's sovereignty. He knows that God is a sovereign God. Even picking out a specific woman, he prays. He knows God's word. Uh, he had learned all these things from his boss. And I would just uh, ask us, church, how are we doing in that? What have your friends learned about God from you? What have your coworkers, your peers, uh, or your employees, if you're an owner, uh, what have they learned about God from you? What has your family learned about God from watching you? There's two ways to learn there's things that are taught, and there's things that are what? Caught. Taught and caught. Eleazar had an amazing walk with God. From listening to Abraham teach, and from catching the things that he has done in his life. May we be like that. As a servant, he is praying, and Rebecca comes, and she's beautiful. She's virtuous. She's generous. She's hardworking, and she's kind. And I just want you to know something. This made her stand out, and it will do the same for you. Kindness and generosity shine brightly to all people. It would be good for us just to have a reminder this morning. Smile a little bit. Right? I have to tell myself that because I've got this angry eyebrow face. I just, I wasn't blessed with one of those happy faces. Uh, my son Nathan just has a happy face, right? He just walks in everywhere. He's like, hey, eh, you know. Uh, Uh, smile Uh, here we see that kindness and generosity uh, these attributes this woman have they just shine brightly to all her humility her selflessness it caused her to stand out as special and uh, the same is true for us jesus said this by your love for one another all men will know what that you're my disciples This is a picture of Jesus' church. And she comes out and she's kind and she's generous and she's loving and she's virtuous and she has all these attributes that are amazing. This is a picture of Jesus' church, his bride. And Jesus says, by your love for one another, the kindness and generosity and the way you give, and all men will know that you are my disciples. I love that. What if Rebecca was stingy? What if Rebecca said, hey, can I have a drink? He said, sorry, no, this is, this, is, this is our water. What would have happened? And I want you to know when we are selfless, when we are generous, when we go the extra mile for people, I want you to know something. Doors will open for you. Doors will open for you. This is just how life works. Uh, doors will open for you when you give. Uh, Jesus said, Give and it will what? Be given back to you. But he didn't just leave it there. Where did he say? Give and it will be given back to you, pressed down, packed in, and overflowing. We don't really get that picture because we don't do trade that way anymore. But it used to be uh, imagine you're, imagine you're, you're measuring. Uh, I don't know, some, something in the kitchen, and you have a cup. Well, you can get a scoop, and it's full of air, pack down, press down, you put more in, and you put more in, and overflowing. That's what Jesus is saying. Uh, and this is just uh, this is just is life. This is the way it works. Uh, be selfless, man. Quit living for self all the time, and serve others, and, and doors will open. Jesus said this, the meek... Blessed are the meek in the, in the Beatitudes, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek for what? They shall inherit the earth. What is Jesus saying? Be generous. Be kind. Serve others. And you're going you're to inherit a lot. Uh, uh, let's go on. We got some ground to cover and <clears throat> see if we can. My hope was to get through this chapter. I better speed up. Verse 22. So it was when the camels had look at this, finished drinking, dang, that's a lot of water, that the man took a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrists, weighing 10 shekels of gold. He starts unpacking the camels and just lavishing her with gifts and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me. Please, is there room in the house, in your father's house, for us to lodge? Uh, and she's just a young woman, right? Uh, uh, we don't know for sure how old, but just a, a young woman. Verse 24. So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, We have both straw and feed enough and room to lodge. So what do we learn about Rebecca here? She comes from a little bit of a wealthy family, right? Which is impressive, because when you come from a wealthy family, you tend to raise privileged children. Jason said spoiled. I did it. That was Jason. I said privileged. Uh, Who get a BMW on their 16th birthday and would roll their eyes at you if you asked them to do a chore. Not this woman. Uh, Impressive, right? Uh, What verse do we leave off on? What is it? All right, thank you. Uh, Verse 26, Then the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. Uh, He just right there, silently in his heart, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Unbelievable. Verse 27. And he said, blessed be Yahweh, Jehovah, God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mercy and his truth toward my master. Uh, I love those words. God will never forsake his mercy on you. God will never forsake his truth on you. God will always do all that he promised. And look what he says. As for me, being on the way, underline those words for me. Super important. Super important. Say this, these words with me. As for me, what does being on the way mean? Being on the way? As for me, stepping out in faith to do what the Lord wanted. That's what being on the way. When does God lead you? When you're sitting on the chair? No, when you step out in faith and begin to walk in something. Maybe you have a marriage and it's difficult. And you haven't been fulfilling your role because your spouse hasn't been fulfilling their role. And it's tension, man. It's tension. And so the Lord can't lead you because you're not in the way, walking in the path, right? Here's what I would encourage you today take a step on, that, on the path. Get back into the way of the Lord. Well, what if they don't reciprocate? It doesn't matter that's man's way God's way says do it anyway Right hear this servant being in the way of the Lord walking in the path of the Lord uh, he says as for me being on the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren yeah divine guidance on his life because he was walking in faith so the young woman ran and, and told, uh, told her mother's household all these things uh, The typology in the story is astounding. I just marvel at it. Uh, Jesus' gospel is being prophesied in a story. Here we are, 2050 BC, and this story is prophesying the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just amazing. God is played by who? Who? Abraham, Father God, right? Father Abraham. Abraham, a father who arranges a marriage for his son. A marriage for his son with a bride that is from afar. And can I tell you something? The New Testament teaches the exact same thing. Do you remember the parable that Jesus spoke about the kingdom? The kingdom of heaven is like, well, let's just read it. It's Matthew 22. It's on your screens. Uh, Let me hear you read this. Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who arranged a marriage for his son. What does that sound like? This story. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. What does that sound like? This story. And guess what your life is? This story. And there are God's servants that are calling you and inviting you to the wedding. Here I am. And the Holy Spirit is calling you to the wedding. Here he is. Speaking to you now. And this is what God does. And Jesus is played by Isaac. Interesting, we don't know a lot about Isaac. We know a few things. We know of a supernatural birth. Divinely inspired birth wouldn't have happened without divine. We know about his victory over death on Mount Moriah. We don't know anything about him between that point. And we know the story of a bride being gotten for him. Wow. Isaac plays the role of, of Jesus. Uh, just amazing. Uh, The Holy Spirit is played by Abraham's unnamed servant, Eleazar. His name means God our helper. We only know that name from previous chapters, right? And Father Abraham sends his servant on a long and a far journey to win a bride for his son. Guess what's happening in your life today? Just amazing. And you are that bride. You are the church. You are played by who? Who? By Rebecca. And God could have chosen anyone. He could have said, There was this ugly mug, but she had a good heart. (laughs) And instead, He says, Oh no, she's beautiful. She is the called out virgin of God. She is the ecclesia. Ecclesia is the Greek for church. Ecclesia. Do you know what it means? It means to be called out. When Jesus saved you, he called you out from the world and called you to himself. You are the called out ones. You are the ecclesia. You are the church. Just amazing. Uh, And and, uh, she's called out. And notice we're going to learn she has to choose to leave everything in her old life behind to embrace this opportunity of a new life with the bridegroom. And something miraculous we're going to find. And she does. She does. Crazy. And uh, to reveal the greatness of the father son. Of Abraham's son. This servant. The Holy Spirit. He brings gifts from the bridegroom. To win. And to woo her. And to show her the greatness of the son. And to enhance her beauty with these gifts. What is that a picture of? Spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit gives. Just amazing. And they reveal the power of the Son. And they enhance our beauty when we walk in them. Just amazing the typology, right? Uh, and this servant who woos this girl, we're going to see, and we have seen already, he does not speak of himself. He never says anything about himself. He only speaks. Of the greatness of the sun, And tells her all about the greatness of the son. Who is the heir of all things. And this servant man he had a difficult assignment. 500 mile journey to a strange land. To find a bride for Isaac his master's son. And man he, we, we can see. He's like when this woman comes out. and He's praying this prayer. Hey I know I'm just going to ask for water. And I probably won't get it. But Lord. Uh. uh I'll probably have to go through a lot of women, and I mean, who would be this kind, but uh, to give me water and to give my camels water, and he's praying this prayer, and she comes out, and Rebecca's stunningly beautiful, and she does, and she offers to do all these things, just amazing. And I can see the servant there just with his mouth hanging open, like, I can't believe it, God, you're so good. You're so good, right? And this radiant young girl, she's, she's a virgin, she's virtuous, she's principled, she draws water, she offers for the camels, just amazing, And I want you to know something. You say, uh, well, let me just ask you before I tell you the point. How stunned do you think Eliezer is with this woman? Staggering. He's just like, can't believe it. And I want you to know something. I want you to grasp this. This is how Jesus sees his church. Jesus sees his bride as stunning. If you are a Christian, God is not mad at you if you are a Christian. He is in love with you, and this is how God sees you. This is the divinely inspired word of God. God could have chose to portray and tell the story in a myriad of ways. This is how he chose to to have this play out. This is how God chose to portray you in this prophetic story. story of the bride of Jesus. And this is uh, uh, how God sees you as you serve him, as you give selflessly of your time, as you give your heart to Jesus, as you worship him, as you uh, go the extra mile because you're in love with him, as you give of your finances and, and give of your mind, you are the bride of Jesus. And this is how he sees you because you are complete. In Jesus. How beautiful that is. And may our hearts drink that in. Amen. May we just receive, like, this is how God views us. Now, if you are not in Jesus, you are in rebellion to God. He is wooing you, and yet you are refusing Him. And there's the story. I mean, Uh, we don't have it in this story, but we do have it in Matthew 22, the verse that was on your screen. You can read that later. Uh, A lot of people were invited to the wedding and they said what? I'm busy. I have a house to buy. I've got new furniture to buy. I'm going surfing today. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And he said to those who blew him off, who blew off the invitation to come to the wedding. He said, bound them and cast them out into where? Outer darkness. And shut the doors to the wedding feast. They will never come. Uh, may we be careful. May we be careful. Um, can you hang with me for a little more of this text? Uh, let's go. We got, I got to go fast. Uh, now Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Here we're introduced to Laban. We're going to learn about Laban. We know about Laban from Jacob and Esau. Laban's a wheeler dealer, man. He's a, uh, he loves money. And Laban ran out to the man uh, by the well. <clears throat> so it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and he saw the bracelets on his sister's wrist and when he heard the words of his sister Rebekah saying, yeah, he's got 10 camels, man, uh, This is the man who spoke to me. He went uh, to the man, and and there he stood by the camels at the well, and he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord. A couple of things right there. What do we notice about uh, about Laban? Well, he loves money. He's like, he likes this servant. Why? Because he's got 10 camels, and he's got gold. But notice this. What else do we notice about Laban? Come in blessed of who? Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D. He knows who? From Abraham's previous faith being passed down. Just amazing. Uh, Verse 30. Uh, Oh, no, where where did we leave off? uh, 31. And he said, come in, O blessed of, of Yahweh. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house, a place for the camels, Then the man came to the house and he unloaded the camels and he provided straw and feed for the camels and water to wash his feet and uh, for the men who were with him. And so we see uh, uh, Eliezer had a big company with him, right? 10 camels uh, for all the men that were, and food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told about my errand. Let's look at that again. I will not eat until I have told about my errand. And he said, speak on. I want to just pause here for a second. Here we see that the Holy Spirit is single-minded. The Holy Spirit is focused. The Holy Spirit is single-minded on bringing us to Jesus. And that is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I will not eat. Uh, We're not going to talk about other things. I want to tell you what I'm here for. I'm here to get a bride for the Master's Son. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do. I want you to know there are false teachers in the church. And they will tell you that the Holy Spirit is good for everything else but that. You can... You just call on the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna and it's always about the Holy Spirit, right? And and use the Holy Spirit's power, and I'm gonna call the Holy Spirit's power to get a learjet, and I'm gonna call the Holy Spirit's power to just The Holy Spirit is single minded. The Holy Spirit has one purpose. What does he want to do? Bring you to Jesus. That is his role, and he will be he will do nothing else. That is what he he will do. Uh, Single-minded in what he wants. Verse 34. Uh, Laban says, speak on. Uh, I understand. Uh, Speak on. He said, I am Abram's servant. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. He has become great. He has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and male and female servants and camels and donkeys. He's like... Filthy, rich, and incredibly powerful. And he tells him, I'm sure, all of the stories about Isaac's supernatural birth. About what happened in Egypt. About what happened on Mount Moriah. And the Holy Spirit tells him all the things about the master's son. The Holy Spirit is single-minded on bringing us to Jesus, right? Verse 36. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son, tells him about the supernatural birth. To my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. Or in other words, he is the heir of all things. Hebrews 11 tells us, God at various times, and in various, God has spoken to us in times past in various ways and in various methods. But He has, in these the last days, spoken to us by His Son, who is the heir of all things. And here we see this is exactly it, Uh, verse uh, thirty-seven. Now the master made me swear, you will not take a wife from the son of the daughters of the Canaanites, and He retells them the story. Uh, But you shall go to my father's house and take of my family a wife from my son and i said to my master perhaps she won't follow me but he said to me the lord before whom i walk he will send his angel with you and prosper you on the way and you will take a wife from the son of my family and from my father's house and he just tells them the whole story right and you'll be clear from this oath when you arrive among my family if they will not give her to you then you will uh, uh you'll be released from this oath he's saying listen i'm not taking anybody by force this has to be her free choice uh, we're going to skip verse 42, jump, uh, jump ahead to verse 47. And then I asked her, he's just telling her, telling her the story. We already read it. He tells him the whole story. Uh, then I asked her and said, whose daughter are you? And she said, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, to whom Milcah bore to him. So I put a nose ring on her and, and bracelets on her wrist. And I bowed my head and I worshiped the Lord. And he tells him the story. Now, verse 49, now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I, may, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. He says, listen, I came here for a bride. You tell me, are you willing to give your daughter as a bride? If not, I'm leaving. Everything is based on if you will be the bride of the master's son. That's the only thing the Holy Spirit wants to know. Uh, Let me hear you read what's on the screens one more time. Do you see how single-minded he is here? You tell me, we're not even having dinner. Can she come or can she not come? Right? Amazing. Um, Verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebekah before you. Take her and let her be your master's son's wife. Wow, there it is. As Yahweh has spoken. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard these words that he worshiped Yahweh, bowing himself to the earth. Then the servant brought out jewelry of silver jewelry of gold clothing and gave them to rebecca and he also gave precious things to her brother and to her mother uh to the whole family uh now as the betrothed bride the servant lashes out all these gifts lavishes her with his master's gifts uh what is this a picture of Well, this is a picture of the Holy Spirit giving spiritual gifts to his church. Just pouring out all the gifts of the Father and of the Son upon the bride, upon the church. Uh, This is the picture of the gifts that God gives us. This is is a picture of Acts chapter 2 when the gifts of the Spirit came on upon the church. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to every believer who is in Jesus Christ. I want you to know something. You have spiritual gifts. You say, well, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I do. You do. You have spiritual gifts. Uh, here's a verse that shows you. First uh, Peter, take a look at this on your screen. So let me hear you read. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Let's go on, the rest of the verse. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever and ever. Use your gifts and it will bring glory to Jesus. Go back to the previous slide. Notice what it says. Use them well to do what? Serve one another. That is the purpose of your spiritual gifts. Use them well. And if you say, well, how come I don't know what my spiritual gifts are? Well, I can tell you why. You're probably not using them. You're probably not serving others. You're probably only what? Serving yourself. Start serving others and you will discover your spiritual gifts. Jesus gave me a spiritual gift to teach. But if I was tanning on the beach, I probably wouldn't know I had that. If I was out golfing every day, I probably wouldn't know I had that. If I was just living for myself, I probably wouldn't know I have that. But instead, I study and I try hard to serve you, and as a result, that gift is manifest in my life. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, it's because you're serving yourself. Start serving others, and it'll be a powerful uh, display. Uh, Paul told Timothy to stir up the spiritual gifts that were given to him. How do you stir them up? How do we stir up spiritual gifts? We simply start using them. We simply put them on. Rebecca had to put on the gold nose ring. She had to put on the bracelets, the necklaces, all the gold that she was given, and when she put them on, she, it enhanced her beauty. And uh, I want to close leave you with this: I marvel church, at how you all use your spiritual gifts. I marvel at how you use the beautiful gifts that Jesus has given you. You are serving. You are praying. Right now, there's a group I was in there by you guys were singing you are praying, they're, they're praying, and they're praying for you. Uh, you're teaching, you're doing one-on-one discipleship, you're cleaning, you're giving, you're ushering, you're doing meals for others. Uh, I'm amazed. We have a, whenever we have a need, there's a meal train, and, and it just you guys just meet the needs. It's astonishing. Every baby that's born, I mean, just amazing. You bless. Uh, so encouraging. And if I could be just frank, you blow my mind at how you use these gifts. And Jesus is glorified. Uh, We're going to pick up here next week. Um, We'll finish the second part of this amazing story. And uh, what a prophetic story it is. Uh, May you see yourself. If you are in Jesus Christ. May you see yourself. As God sees you. You are the bride of Christ. And if you've been living for self. May you take off your dingy, ugly clothes. And may you put on the clothing and the jewelry that God has given you, the spiritual gifts, and walk in them in the beauty, in the beauty, in the radiance of all that God has for you. And uh, may the Lord use your life as you do, your generosity and your kindness to just touch other people's hearts with his love.